if you would, Mark chapter 1. We're in Mark chapter 1. My sermon, there it is. Again, continuing through our series, Written So That You May Believe, looking at the scriptures and looking at the life and work of Jesus, that we would see what he does and see who he is, and that we would believe and have deep faith in him. Uh, today is no different. We're, we're going uh, into uh, a scripture today where, where Jesus, we see Jesus' authority on display, but, it, but we see really the weight of his words, the weight of his words as he, as he preaches, as he teaches, as he commands, uh, as, as there's power there. We're going to see all of that on display today, so it's the weight of his words today. We are in Mark chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 21 in just a minute and head through verse 28. But I, I do want to make sure we understand, as we look at this text today, and as we, as we glean from the scriptures uh, and, and the story of, uh, and the account of Christ here, uh, it's important for us, as we look at the scriptures, to, to really kind of find out, how, how is this applying to me? I mean, we see how it applies there, but there, is, there should be some deep application for you and I. Uh, part of that, what we're going to see, is that we would, we would let the Word of God do something and transform us. That's been a major theme over the last several weeks as we've talked about Him preaching, as we've talked about Him having authority and His Word has power. We'll see that again today. But, but really, uh, the, the whole thing, if you've got anything from today, and I'll, I'll say it now and I'll say it many times more as we go, that we should not just know the Word, right, and, and, and we'll have it all together, but that we should be known by the word. Like we, we, we don't just have all the facts, but we let the facts possess us. We let the facts control us. We let the facts transform us. Even as we see Jesus preaching today, uh, that's kind of why the people are astonished as he speaks, because it's not just with facts, but it's with power and authority. And certainly he's Jesus. He's the son of God. But he's there by the spirit of God. And he, he honestly, he truly deeply believes the truth that he's preaching. And we ought to be like that too. Not, we don't just know things about Scripture, know things about Jesus, but we, are, we know Jesus and are known by Him, and we are known by the Word, and we're able to, to really wrap our heart around the Word. And then as we go out into the communities, we have conversations with one another, that they wouldn't think, oh, well, they know a lot of facts about this. But they would say, wow, this person has been transformed by the Word of God. God's Word has, has changed them. So that would be my hope and prayer as well. So would you join me in prayer before we read our Scripture? Father, we, we pause to thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, God, that you are not just a God who gives us a set of rules and regulations, but you're a God who has fulfilled those rules and regulations for us because we can't. You went to the cross to take our place as sinful people. You made yourself an atonement to pay for our sins, that through faith in you, not only the the atonement you made, but the resurrection, through faith in your death and resurrection, Lord, we can have life and forgiveness. So God, that we remember that. We, we think about that. God, we hold on to that. And God, may that be in our lives what transforms us, what renews us, what guides us every single day. So God, today as we look at your word, we ask that you would open our hearts, open our minds to be receptive, that God, we would not only learn, but we would embrace with our heart the authority of Scripture the power of Scripture to change and transform us. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. All right, Mark, chapter 1, we're looking at verses 21 through 28 together. They went into Capernaum, uh, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. They were astonished at his teaching, because he was teaching them as one who had authority, not like the scribes. Just then a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue, and he cried out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? 
I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit threw him into convulsions, shouted with a loud voice, and came out of him. They were all amazed, and so they began to ask each other, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, the news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. All right, so let's take a look at our text a little more in depth today. And we're, we're again, titling this, this message, The Weight of His Words. The Weight of His Words. And, and we're going to see different aspects of the weight of His Words. And hopefully we see that in the, in the picture today, but we also see that for you and I in our own lives. Number one, the weight of His Words, it, it has authority, right? His Words have authority. And we need to understand that, that it's an authority like they'd never seen before, never heard before. Mark 1, 21 and 22, look what happens here. They went to Capernaum, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he began to teach. Now, we had talked about this before, where, where when he was in those synagogues, he was invited. I mean, Jesus was kind of a big deal at that point, and they were, they were interested in what he would add and what he would, what he would give them, right? But he comes in the synagogue, he teaches that day, and then it says, they were astonished at his teachings because he was teaching them as one who had authority. Now let's pause right there, because there's a little tag at the end of this, right? But teaching as one who had authority. Well, it, were the other ones not teaching with authority? Like, were they, were they not set up as this is the priest, and this is, these are the Pharisees, these are the teacher scribes? What, didn't they have authority? Didn't they have some kind of clout there? Well, yeah, they did. They had titles. But having a title doesn't mean you have authority, right? You, anyone can give yourself a title, but authority is something different. You can, you can have a title and be very weak, in authority. But Jesus came in with authorities, and, and he was teaching as, as with authority, not like the scribes. And, and here's, here's the difference, and, and what most commentators are saying is this, that, that scribes and Pharisees, teachers of the law, what they loved to do was quote famous rabbis. So they'd get up and they'd preach and they'd say, well, Rabbi so-and-so says this, and Rabbi so-and-so says this, and all, their sermon was a quote or, or something ripped off from somebody else, and they just wanted to throw it out there for people to tickle their ears or, or to control them and manipulate them, right? And, and the people in the seats, they knew that. They felt that. They're like, this isn't quite what I was thinking this should be. It's not powerful. It's not really in-depth. It's not really the Word of God. I mean, we're reading it, but we're not really talking about it. We're going somewhere else with it. And, and you and I should take pause on that as well, because I think many of us, and me included, love to find a new book, and well, what's this new book say about this new thing? And, and maybe it's said a, said a different way. And, and I have to be careful, because I, I go to those things, and that's not the Word of God. It's not bad to read books, but we read books in, in view of and from, from the lenses of Scripture, testing everything against the Scriptures, the power of the Scriptures. So when Jesus came in, he, he taught with, as one who had authority not like the scribes. Now, I want to, I want to highlight this, this word. He says, uh, right away they were amazed, right? Or they were astonished at his teaching. It's, it's, it's more than just like, wow, that was a, it, this is what it's not. That was a really moving sermon, Jesus. Thank you. That really, that really blessed me today. That was not what that meant. They probably got that every week, some motivational speech in some way. Jesus was teaching with authority, the word here, amazed or astonished, is, is really easily translated thunderstruck. I don't even know what that means, thunderstruck. But what I, what I saw as I went through this, it means that you were shaken to the core, that who you are and your soul was, was challenged in some way, that you might have been ripped a little bit or torn a little bit, but your soul was moved by what was said and what was communicated. And, and they knew that that was not what happened every time they came to church. 
Right? And I know even in our day, there are tons of people who try to find a church that kind of tickles their ears and makes them feel good. And, and I hope you feel good coming to, to church and hearing God's word here. But if we aren't preaching God's word by the power of his spirit, it's really for nothing, isn't it? And we need to be moved by it. And we need to be, we need to be thunderstruck and convicted by the word of God that it would challenge us, that it would really wreck us from within. Not like the scribes, not like the, the self-help books that might tickle our ears. There's plenty of, plenty of great books out there that would, would challenge us and help us and point us to Jesus and point us to the Scriptures, but we have to always test everything against the Word. See, Jesus, when He got up, He was preaching. He was preaching the Word of God. Well, why was it? Well, He was God in the flesh, and He was speaking, and it was His words. And it made sense, and it was relevant, and, and they understood what the Scriptures meant because Jesus helped them see that. The weight of His words have authority. Paul talked about this later on in, in 2 Corinthians. He says, we do not market the Word of God for profit like so many. Like we're not, we're not trying to make it sound perfect and put a bow on it and make it, make it appear just, just right for you so you buy it. And he says like so many that are doing. He says, on the contrary, we speak with sincerity in Christ as from God and before God. And, and here's what that means. They took the Word of God and preaching and teaching the Word of God so seriously, they said that we, we are going to be sincere because it comes from a relationship of us being in Christ and in the Spirit. And then he says, we are going to, to speak to you as though these words are from God, not from us. And we're going to speak to you not only as if these words are from God, not from us, but we're going to speak to you as if we are speaking before God and that we are accountable to God. And, and that would be the difference. I think very much so we see in our society and even the society there to that day. They were astonished because most people didn't care. They could care less if they were going to be accountable to God or not. They just wanted to fill their pockets, fill their, fill their pews, right, and, and make sure they had people to control and manipulate. I think there were some probably good-hearted people, but they fell into that tradition. They fell into that way of thinking and reasoning. Jesus came along and, and just kind of threw a, a bomb in it, didn't he? It's like, this is how we're going to do it. And they were thunderstruck. They were shaked to the core. Paul later in 2 Corinthians 4, he says, we have renounced secret and shameful things, not acting deceitfully or, or distorting the word of God. So he's saying people were doing that. They're distorting the word of God. They're acting secretly and shamefully. We don't want to do that. But he says, we commend ourselves before God, again, because we're judged by God, uh, and we commit ourselves to everyone's conscience by what? How, how they do it? An open display of the truth. An open display, right? We open it up and we read it for what it is and we say this is what it says. And when we think we're in error, we go back to it and say how are we in error and how can we live in, in the truth of God and God's word? Right? That, that's what Paul is saying. We, we commend ourselves before God and to everyone else by an open display of the truth. And we should be able to test what is said by the word of God. The weight of his word has authority. For you and me, what does that mean? It means that we have this book, and as we read it, as we grow in it, as we learn it, we go out and we share it. We can also share it with authority. You don't have to be a preacher to share God's Word with other people. And, and, and it's what's really important for you and I is that we would not just talk the talk, but we would what? Walk the walk. That we don't just know about God's Word and we kind of say it, but that our lives show that we know God's Word and we're known by God's Word and that we live it. That's the passion that Jesus had. 
That's, that's why he was different when he spoke. That's why he spoke with authority, because he spoke passionately from, from he had it. I mean, he's, he's God in the flesh. Of course he has it. He knows it inside and out. He believes it inside and out. He, he created it. And as he shares it, he, he knows it's not only just truth to be known, it's truth to be tra- made transformative in the heart of people. Do we believe that, though? Do we believe that? I, I think we do. I would say, yeah, I believe that. God's word transforms. It's authoritative. It's powerful. But what does it look like in conversation with you and your child? What does it look like in conversation with you and your spouse? What does it look like in conversation with you and other family members or friends or coworkers or colleagues or fellow students? What, is it, what does it look like to them? Are they thunderstruck? That you not only know God's word, but that God's word knows you and it has changed you? Otherwise, we're walking around hypocritical. We're walking around just like the scribes, quoting somebody, quoting Pastor Brandon, quoting my Bible study leader, quoting a book that I read, instead of quoting the word of God because it's hidden in your heart. It's profitable for us. 2 Timothy 3 says this, all scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching This is for us, for teaching us, for rebuking us, for correcting us, for training in righteousness. Why? So that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's what it does for us. And if we aren't being equipped for every good work, if it's not making us complete, it's not being transformative. We're not allowing it to transform. We're not letting letting the weight of his word have the authority that it should have in our lives. It should transform us. And listen, here's, here's why we tend not to do that or tend to be less likely to go towards the Word and let it transform us, because in order for it to transform, it has to pulverize us. It has to pulverize us. Like, why'd you use that word, Brandon? Well, in Jeremiah, he uses it, so I wanted to use it too. In Jeremiah, I'm going to read this out of 23. Here's the declaration from God to the prophet Jeremiah. It says, Is not my word like fire? This is the Lord's declaration. And, and like a hammer that pulverizes rock. Isn't that an amazing description of God's word? God's word is like fire. So, you ever feel that fire? I do. I don't like the feeling of that sometimes, right? It burns a little bit. It feels like that ah, hurts. But, but we aren't going to be refined unless we're in the fire of God's word, in the fire of trials, walking with God through those things. And then it says it's like, it's like a hammer that pulverizes rock. That, you, know, you know what's a rock in me? My heart at times. My heart at times is a stony, stubborn, hard rock. What's God's word going to do? Well, if I let it, if I allow it, if I go towards it and say, I don't want to just know it, but I want to be known by it, it is going to wreck me. It is going to pulverize me. We should not be able to go to the word of God and say, oh, I feel so good about myself now. We should be able to go to God's word and say, wow, he has given me everything I need to to get over myself, to humble myself, to repent of my sin, and, and soften my heart so I can actually respond to him in humble, repentant faith. That's what God's word will do to us. He says, it's like a hammer, pulverizing rock. Therefore, he says, take note, I'm against the prophets, the Lord, this is the Lord's declaration, who steal my words uh, from each other. I'm against the prophets who use their own tongues to make a declaration. I'm against those who prophesy false dreams, telling them and leading my people astray with their reckless lies. It was not I who sent or commanded them, and they are of no benefit at all to these people. This is the Lord's declaration. 
You see the contrast there? We have to understand we're, we're in one camp or the other. We're, we're being pulverized by God's word and the power of God's word and the authority of God's word and letting it transform us. Or we are sitting in a camp just repeating and regurgitating other people's quotes and, and feel-good stories. And there's no transformation in that. There's no authority in there. There's no, there's no power seen in that as we go out and share these lives, our lives with people. It should be our endeavor, right? Not only to say that we have embraced or that we know the word of God, but rather that the word has embraced and has, made, has, has known us. Right, that our heart is wrapped up with the word. It's been wrecked by the word and we know it. That's what it means to be passionate about it. It's that we've tasted and we've seen the weight and authority of the word of God and we've let it wreck our lives as we have known them. Let it wreck our ideas and our preferences and our, our whole model of maybe living. We've let it wreck it. And then we let it build our hope and build our assurance and build our rest in him. The weight of his word. We say it has authority. Number two, the weight of his word, cannot, you cannot hide from it. You cannot hide from the weight of his word. Although you can cover your eyes when the light shows up and you can harden your heart. You actually cannot hide from his word. Let's go on in our story, what happened, right? So they're astonished, they're amazed at his teaching because he's teaching like one that's not like the scribes, right? And it goes on, it says, just then, just when? As he's teaching God's word and as they are astonished. This is the power of God's word, what happens here. So we see uh, his authority goes out, it says, just then a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue. How, how long had that man been there? Was he known by them? Had, had he been attending synagogue every Sabbath? How many quote-unquote sermons had he heard from the scribes that were ones without authority? How, any, how often had, had he, he not been wrecked and had he not been challenged by the authoritative word of God to be allowed to sit there week after week? You see what happens when we, when we don't rest in the authoritative word of God? Apathy builds. Spirits of deception build in our lives, and we are controlled by them. So there's this man in, in the synagogue, and, and that might be all conjecture. Maybe he just showed up that one day, and he just showed up that moment and, and, and for God's glory. But I, I would have to believe that because there was no transformative, authoritative word of God being shared there, this man was probably part of the community who had been there for, for weeks, if not months or years, in the same state. So what happened? God's, God taught, Jesus taught God's word, and it says, just then a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue. He cried out. It says, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Wow. There's a lot of stuff going on here. A lot of stuff happening. First, first off, uh, he, he was a man with an unclean spirit uh, in their synagogue. Now, I want you to understand that unclean spirits are are around. They abound. When Satan fell from heaven, he took a third of the angels with him. So he now has himself and his demons to go do his bidding. And it is a spiritual war going on all around us. It's going on in your heart, in my heart. And, and when we come to faith in Christ, we are then indwelled with God's spirit. And, and because we're indwelled with God's spirit, Satan's spirit can't live within us anymore. Right? Light and dark have nothing to do with each other. Greater is the one living in me now than the one that even lives in the world. That there's power over Satan and darkness and, and demons and his minions if you're born again. If you're not, Satan and his powers have dominion over you. And you may very well indeed act on their spirit instead of God's spirit. You may very well indeed, people have been possessed by them. This man was. He had an unclean spirit. 
within him. And what happens? And he cried out. It's like this shriek cried out. And, and, and it says, what do you have to do with us? Jesus of Nazareth. Now the unclean spirit is what was crying out, right? Using this person's body and vo- voice. He says, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Now, there's two things happening here. One, uh, we see the us, right? Is, it, what, is he possessed by more than one? Well, no, it's, it's the demonic realm. The plurality of that, that topic is there are demons more than just this one and this guy. And, and, and what the demon it sees is this. Oh, no, we're in trouble. Jesus is here speaking with authority. We're in trouble here. We, we can't hide now when when god speaks with authority when god's word is shared with authority right the the weight behind god's word uh, you cannot hide from it so he said and he says jesus of nazareth and and that time is kind of like using your your kid's middle name right or using their full name uh, wesley gerald turk he's like oh he's in trouble now right it's one of those things you try to control someone by using their full title it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you i know who you are i know who you are better than you know who i am so he says, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? And, and if we know Jesus of Nazareth, that's some prophecy fulfilled. But also, Nazareth, what was in Nazareth? Could anything good come from Nazareth? Remember that, that statement, right? That's, that's how people felt about Nazareth. What was a demon trying to do? Push Jesus down. You don't have power. It's amazing, though, in the same breath, when he's trying to push Jesus down, what does he go on to say? Right? He says, yeah, we, don't want, we don't want anything to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth. Right? And he goes on, he says, have you come to destroy us? So he knows, I'm trying to push you down, I'm trying to elevate myself, I'm trying to like get, have some power here, but he can't. He's like, have you come to destroy us? And he says, then the statement, I know that you are the Holy One of God. He's not trying to push him down there, can't, is he? He, he knows, he's, he's saying, I, I, I just can't even not say it. You're the anointed one. You're the Messiah. You're the holy one sent from God. Wow. A couple of wows to me. First, that the power of God's word, the weight of God's word, you can't hide from it. You can try. You can try to lie to yourself. You can try to deceive. You can try to have power over it and push it away, but ultimately you're going to lose. And, and he knows he's lost. Are you here? What are you going to do? Are you going to come to destroy us? Yeah, that's what I'm coming to do is destroy you and destroy the works of the devil. We'll see you later. He says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Here's what's amazing. So many people spend so much of their life trying to reject Jesus and reject Jesus, say, you know, he's not that person. He's not the Holy One of God. He, he can't be the Son of God. He, that's all fake. He's just a good teacher or, or a fiction character. So many people try to do that. And they're being swayed to believe that by Satan. They're being swayed to reject and not believe Jesus by Satan and his demons who What? Believe Jesus is the Holy One of God. So Jesus says he's the Holy One of God. And Satan and his demons say he's the Holy One of God. Who is Jesus, church? The Holy One of God. But Satan says, he can't say that. He can't, I mean, he can't do that. I mean, under the power of the word, he's wrecked and has to. But to the whole world who's hard in their heart and who's blinding their eyes... He says, no, no, don't have anything to do with Jesus. He's, he's nothing. He's of no benefit to you at all. Kind of a crazy deception, isn't it? God and God's enemy is saying the same thing about God. And we just believe something different at times. Or the world does, right? Hopefully you don't. Hopefully I don't. That We believe he's the Holy One of God. 
You cannot hide from God's word. So this demon was shook to the core as Jesus preached the word. Hebrews tells us why. It says the word of God is living and effective, or living and active. And it, it's living and active. It's not just old texts. We're going to read these old words. To, no, it's living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. What does God's word do? It, it pierces to the depths and to the core of who we are. It cuts the soul. Further, it's able to judge the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So not only does it just kind of expose us and show that this is, this is what's really going on and it's a, what it's able to do, but it judges, right? When we, we have God's word go out, with, with the power of God's word, there's authority behind it, but then we see it, we can't hide from it. We can't hide from judgment. What did the demon know? He's here to do what? To destroy us. The battle is against Satan and demons and, and, and sin and death, and that's what Jesus came to battle against. Hebrews goes on, it says, it's there to judge the thoughts and attitudes or intentions of the heart. And he says, no creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. I think it's nice, it's good to be accountable to one another, but ultimately you and I are going to be accountable to God. And hopefully you had in your heart discerned and cried out that he is the Holy One of God that he's your Lord, that he's your Savior, and that you have let his, let his word be authoritative over you and let his word uh, expose the depths of your sin and, and, and that you have repented of that and turned in faith towards him. You see, you, you cannot hide and there is no escape. We see that in Psalm 139. The psalmist writes, Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down at the western horizon, even there... Your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely darkness will hide me, right? We like that. Darkness will hide me. And the light around me uh, will, be, will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. We can't hide. We can't hide from the judgment of God. We can't hide from the, the God's word having power and authority over us. We're exposed, and, and what I would say is we got to let it expose. Why? Because coming from darkness into light is a glorious thing. What is, what is done there, it's, and it's kind of a precursor to our next point, but 1 John chapter 3, verse 8b, it says, the Son of God was revealed. So here's the Son of God preaching and teaching the Word of God, and He was revealed like light dawning, right, in the darkness. The light has dawned in the darkness. He was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil, that's, what, that's why he came, to destroy the works of the devil. That, and that's a benefit for you and for me. Who, Satan wants to, to distract us and to lie and deceive us and take us away from belief in faith in Christ. God's like, no, I came to destroy that, the devil's works so you would have faith in me. You could see me for who I really am. The Son of God was revealed as a light, as a dawning light for this person, to de- for this reason, to destroy the work of of the devil. And that leads us to our final point. The weight of God's word not only has authority, not only can we not hide from God's word, there is proper judgment there, but the weight of God's word has power. It has power. I mean, you can even think about that at creation, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He said, he said, let there be light. He spoke, and what happened? Everything. Anything. 
But going further, this is speaking the Word of God, right? The Word of God has power. Let's look at Mark 1, 25, the rest of the, the, rest of the passage here. So the, this demon said, who are you? What are you doing? We want nothing to do with you. Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. He said that. He spoke that with authority. Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit threw, spirit threw him into convulsions, shouted with a loud voice, and came out of him. It's like he tried one more time. Like, let's, let's try to hold on as tightly as we can. I'm going I'm to fight Jesus all the way. But he lost. And he came out of the man. They were all amazed. And so they began to ask each other, what is this? A new teaching. Like we haven't been hearing. It's not new, though. It's the same as it always has been, right? A new teaching. And with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, the news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. You see there's power in God's word? As he speaks, there's power. What, what does that do for you and me? What, we might be struggling. We might have some kind of sin we're struggling in, or doubt, or anxiety, or whatever we're struggling in. God's word with a word. He can handle that. With a word, there's power. And we, we go somewhere else. We go to the self-help aisle. We try to find uh, some article or some devotion. And, and if it's God's word, great. If it's not, it's not going to help. It's of no benefit, as Paul said. What's of benefit is God's word, the weight of Jesus' word. Because the word of Christ has the power to free us. That same word he said, be silent, be still, is the same thing he used when he calmed the storm in Mark 4. Right? Evening had come, and they crossed over to the other side of the sea. They left the crowd and, and, and went in the boat, and, and other boats were with them. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. There's Jesus, not worried. So they woke him up saying, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? I want you to hold on to that phrase. Don't you care that we're going to die? And he got up. And he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Silence, be still. It's the same authority, it's the same phrase, same word used there by Jesus. Why? Because Jesus' word has power. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified. And they asked one another, uh, who, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Listen, there, there is hope for the worst of us because there's power not only in the name of Jesus, but there's power in the words of Jesus. And he's come to set the captives free. But I want us to see how this works. He says, don't you even care? We're about to die. The storm is raging. Don't you even care? I think demons would have this, uh, this say as well. They, they'd say, you know what? Do you even care about us? Leave us alone. We want to be left to our own devices. Sometimes we say that, don't we? Led by demonic spirits. Just God, leave me alone. Let me be. Let me do my thing. I'm happy, or at least I think I'm happy doing it. So leave me alone. Don't you care about me? Leave me alone. My kids do that sometimes, right? Like, yeah, Dad, just, just let me be. Don't you care about me? Don't you want me to be happy? Like, no, I want you to be whole. I want you to be whole. And that's what Jesus wants. But you and I also, on the other side, the disciples, we, we want him to care about our situation. The storm is raging in life, and sometimes we're like, God, do you even care about that? God's like, I care about more than that. There, there might be storms 
raging in life all around you. There might be circumstances beyond your control. There might be things that in your life you don't even like where you are in life or what's going on around you. But there's a storm raging within you as well. And that's the storm I want to calm, is what Christ would tell you. That's the storm I want to calm. And there is hope for us. Why? Because he, he met us where we were. Hebrews tells us that, that children, you and I have flesh and blood in common. So Jesus also shared in that. He put on flesh so that through his death, right, he came not only to make your life just a cushion and like, like make it all nice and neat and let you have all, all your hopes and dreams. That's not what he came for. What did he come for? He, he came that he might die and that through his death he might destroy the one that holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those, you and I, free us who were held in slavery all our lives by death. Listen, whatever's going on in your life, it might be good, it might be bad, it might be even worse than you could imagine, but it is not worse than eternal death and separation from God. What Jesus came to do is destroy the works of the devil so that you and I might be freed and you and I might have life and have life eternally. Listen, Jesus rejoices to change your heart and to change your life with a word. Will you let him? Will you let him? Or will you continue to argue with him saying, God, that's not what I need. I need something else. Pushing him away, saying, God, we don't have anything to do with you unless you do this. All the while, he would rejoice to change your life with a word. Will you let him? So we put our trust in his word. We let his word have, have authority over our lives. We let his word cut us to the heart and wreck us and pulverize us and judge our thoughts and attitudes, exposing us for who we really are. And then we run to him because now we're in really deep need, aren't we? we? We have nothing without him. And we run to him and we trust in his word and let the power of his word free us from sin and death. Then as we do that, we rely on his power. We rely, we rely on that power. Second Timothy says this, I'm, I, don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or, or of me as prisoner, Paul writes. Instead, share in the suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. So we're not going to take away suffering. Suffering is happening. We prayed for the persecuted church all around the world. Suffering is happening. But we rely on the power of God. He saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Listen, the authority of God is not new. It has been there since, the, since before time has began. It's been made evident through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. He's done away with it and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, Paul says, I was appointed as a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. And that is why I suffer these things. But, he says, I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. You see, going back to the beginning, it's not just like I, I know the person. It's that I know him and he, I'm known by him. It's not that I just know the word and know the facts, but that I'm known by those facts. And they've pulverized me and wrecked me and I just, I just want to sit there and delight in them. He says, I'm not ashamed because I know whom I believe and I'm persuaded that through his power, through the weight of his words, right, he is able to guard what's been entrusted to me until that day. That's the hope we have. We have that hope of the, even the power of and authority and the exposure of God's word, not being able to hide from it, but the power that comes, the power is there that it will guard us and, and, and we'll be able to be guarded until that day. 
It feels really, really difficult to open ourselves up, to open our hearts up, to expose ourselves and let God's power in. But his promise is, you go ahead and open yourself up, but I, I'm going to guard you. I'll be your guard now. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God and the salvation for everyone who believes. Right? There's power in the gospel. In the message of Christ, there is power. He says, in this gospel, there is a righteousness of God that is revealed from faith, that, that through my faith, my trust in him, in his word, in the authority, right, in the, the judgment of his word, and in the power of his word, in my faith in the gospel, I'm given a righteousness that I could never achieve on my own, that he's the one who guards my heart with his righteousness. And that righteousness is from faith. And it's written that the righteous will live by faith. That you and I will now live by faith. And we walk by faith. His word is authoritative. We cannot hide from it. It has the power to, to deliver us through faith into Christ. Will you let his word do that? And will you then live by faith daily in him? Not only knowing him, not only knowing his word, but being known by him and being known and changed by his word. I hope you will. Let's stand together and pray and continue to worship the Lord. Father, we're so thankful for your grace and your mercy. Lord, as we looked to your word today, God, I, I'm just thankful that there is authority in it. There's power in it. God, there is, there's transformation that happens from it because, God, you pierce the depths of our heart. God, with your word, it's like a hammer to rock. It pulverizes us. And God, that doesn't always feel comfortable. But God, we want to be known by your word. We want to be passionate about your word. God, we, when we go out these doors, when we have relationships with our children or our parents, God, or with our siblings or with our coworkers or God, whoever you put in our path, God, we want, we want to be able to speak with authority and passion as well because we speak the word of God, not just because we know it, but we're known by it. And it's changed us and challenged us and transformed us. We thank you for that opportunity. God, now as we sing and as we worship you, may we elevate you. God, may we, may we be your people who, God, trust in you. May we hold on to the truths of God's word, God, so that we might, we might leave here renewed, leave here changed. We thank you for that opportunity. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.